This is the podcast from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, May 8th, 2011, from our special guest speaker, Diane Laird. Who am I? Well, good morning, Connection Church, and happy Mother's Day. I want to, I want to uh, acknowledge my mom, who's right here in the front, Dot Holf. Many of you probably know her. Maybe you don't know, but she's my mom. Uh, she's been a tough act to follow. She's been a model mom. Thank you. I also want to thank God for the blessing of my children, Chris and Kelsey. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for my mom. Thank you for our mothers and for all those who are like moms to us. In fact, thank you for all the ladies that are here today. We pray blessing and favor and wisdom to carry out the roles that you have chosen for each one of us. As we turn to the message, we pray for open eyes and open ears to hear the word that you have for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's a privilege to be here with you today. I am Diane Laird, Diane Joy Laird. My middle name is Joy. I think that was my dad's choice, right? But, of course, agreed upon uh, by both. Uh, As I mentioned, I have two children. Chris is back at the soundboard. Kelsey is either here or coming. She's typically in the nursery. That's her uh, gifted area. My husband of almost 25 years is Bob Laird. He plays the drums. He's up there today. He's often on the soundboard as, as, as well. Dot and Charlie Hulse are my parents, and they are uh, disciple members here at Connection Community Church. My sister Carolyn and my brother-in-law Wayne happen to be here with us today, too. They're here for the weekend, c- coming weeks. Thank you for, for coming, and happy anniversary tomorrow, 24 years, right? 24 years tomorrow. Most of you know I'm start, uh, part of the staff parish relations team. Uh, You know I play keyboard, and I've been playing piano since fourth grade, since I was about 10. You might say I'm a church mutt. I've been in Presbyterian churches and Christian and Missionary Alliance and Baptist and Southern Baptist and Methodist, uh, but we're very settled here at Connection Church. I worked for the state of Delaware. Prior to that career in uh, downtown revitalization, I was an interior designer in New Jersey. I enjoy people. I enjoy being sociable, and, and I love people, but I also love times of great solitude, and times of quiet, and I like watercolor paintings, so this, this kind of all work pretty well together. I'm analytical, I'm a perfectionist, and I have very poor eyesight. <laughs> I'm also a sinner by, uh, saved by grace, saved by the grace of God. But wait, there's more. The Diane Joy Laird that I just described to you is factual and it's historical. It's earthly-based. Family, profession, likes, dislikes, a few character traits. We tend to talk about who we are in the present. We define ourselves, or better or for worse, by things we've done in the past, accomplishments. We think about who we want to be in the future, maybe our careers or hobbies or our retirement years. <clears throat> but what I want to explore with you today is the who am I through the eyes of the one who created me, who created you, and the fact that you were made to serve a very specific role, a role that only you can fill. It's only when we consider that God, the creator of the universe, the stars and every living thing, envisioned and designed each of us uniquely for this time and this place that we begin to understand that the very day and hour we were born was planned before time and for very specific purposes. And when we place ourselves in the vast and infinite time span of God's timeless time, we can begin to get a better glimpse of just how chosen and just how loved we are. There's a word, eclectos, that means those selected. 
and in the Bible is used to describe one who is the object of choice or divine favor. God refers to his chosen ones as the apple of my eye, meaning that they're the most prized, the best apples in the barrel. And it's not because we're good apples, but because he loves us. In fact, God tells us that he loves us with an everlasting love. Today, I'd like you to envision with me a timeline. Hard to do without, with, with, with a, without a beginning and ending because God is truly timeless and infinite. But Barry did a great job, I thought, of this terrific uh, timeline. And then we're going to kind of consider our life on this timeline, the timeline that has no beginning and no ending. Whether we were contemplated by our parents or not, God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. God knew us before we were born, and he fashioned each of us. Today, we would say he wired us uniquely. We can be pleased with our good looks or personality traits, and we can be challenged with an over-analytical mind or an oversensitive nature, but God wired us exactly as he pleased. In fact, we're God's masterpiece. Like a da Vinci painting or Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel, each of us is a cherished, one-of-a-kind treasure that was crafted by this skilled artist and is valued at a price that cannot be named. That's how God views each of us as a masterpiece, uniquely designed and of inestimable worth. Further, we're told that we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I believe these are very specific tasks and assignments that involve our giftings and the seeds of talent that we're born with and which are often reflected in our daily work and our hobbies and our ministries and the way that we like to spend time. Often they're the things that come naturally to us. For instance, I, as I said, I played the piano since I was about 10, and I, I always enjoyed the instrument. It was, didn't really come hard to me to learn how to play it, and I didn't practice a lot before my next lesson, but I, I did fine over the years and, and really enjoy that. It feels natural to me, and I feel gifted in that area. So even before we were born, God knew us. He fashioned us, he considered us a fine workmanship, and he created us to fill very specific roles and assignments. So let's go back to our timeless timeline, and I'm going to ask you to envision your life. It's a very tiny blip on this, this vast timeline, but we really can't represent that portion of the time in a timeline any larger than a blip, because our lives are just a moment in time. In Psalm 29, we're told each man's life is but a breath. Our lives are also described as a wisp and as a vapor. To the untrained eye, this split may seem negligible, almost worthless, and certainly too tiny to represent much meaning in the span of timeless time. But this is your life. If you're a parent, consider the excitement and anticipation of your child's birth. You can't wait to see the new baby. You can't wait to see him begin to talk and grow and play and start walking, and, and you can't wait to show him off to your, to your family and friends. You're proud of him or her. My husband and I had a lot of trouble having kids, and once, once we knew we were, we were going to have a baby, well, I can, rem- I can remember counting the months to the arrival, and as it was, we had twins, and so uh, they came two months early, so we didn't have to count as long, and we, we really enjoyed them, but life turned upside down for a while. It wasn't exactly what we envisioned, but the anticipation of having those children arrive was, was immense. And I believe that that God waits in that same kind of anticipation for the day of our birth, too. When we're born, God intimately and immediately begins to draw us to himself. We're not likely even aware of it. 
He showers his favor on us to encourage us to see him, to see his goodness toward us. Perhaps you can recall now times that before you knew God personally, but you sensed him protecting you or sensed direction or his showering his favor upon you when you least expected it. In my case, I was eight years old when I responded to the Lord through a visiting missionary at my neighbor's backyard Bible club. My neighbor's hospitality was a good work that resulted in my salvation at a very early age. Well, this decision to acknowledge God as he's drawing us is a crossroads decision that will affect the rest of your life into eternity. It will determine how closely your life will follow the path that God has created for you and how well you are able to complete those good works that he created for you to do in his strength and as you yield to him to build his kingdom. If we deny this invitation, God keeps patiently showering us with his grace, inserting himself into our lives at key moments. And just as we're delighted when our baby arrives for the first time, God absolutely delights over us and he smiles over us as we smile toward him in response to that invitation. And once we acknowledge Christ as our Savior, we are a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. As we seek him and invite him to reveal his plans and purposes for us, as we walk with the architect of our lives, well, this is where we can truly begin to live. And not only live, but live life abundantly. We have access to God's unlimited resources to develop our gifts and talents. It's here that we get into the groove, get into that groove to enjoy the benefits of a relationship with our creator and serve in a way that he perfectly wired us to serve. And so it's a process. I didn't say that we become perfect. We are and we will remain sinners saved by grace, and we'll still struggle with our sinful nature. But as a new creation, we're tapping into the resource for strength and wisdom and guidance to do mighty things that only we are made to do. Notice I, didn't, I also didn't say that this was necessarily a comfortable or convenient place or that service was easy. To the contrary, our life with Christ, including service in church, is interspersed with challenges and struggles and trials. Our service is not necessarily convenient or comfortable, and it often involves considerable sacrifice. I can assure you that the praise, mem- praise team members up here would rather arrive at 10.30 than 7.30 on a Sunday morning. That would be much more convenient. I see a few heads shaking. But I can also assure you that if you ask any one of them, they would say, this is absolutely what I'm called to be doing. This is an assignment that I am sent, to God, sent by God to do. And so that's a great satisfaction that they're knowing that they're in that groove. This is where God's strength is made perfect in our lives. It's where we're given the, the power to do the things he calls us to do. We experience great satisfaction. And while the good works don't make us Christians, they are an outcome of our walk in Christ. And so, as a new creation, we're called to take on new positions. I'm sure you can think of a time when you've taken on a new position, maybe a work situation or a new role as a wife or a father or even as a friend. New positions often allow us to, to enjoy new advantages and benefits. They also require us to take on new responsibilities. We're going to take a look at a few of the new positions that we inherit as we begin a relationship with Christ. First of all, We become brothers and sisters in Christ and have the same father as Jesus did. We can each claim to be a child of God. So now, Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. As brothers and sisters in in Jesus, we're on a level playing field. 
God the Father hears each of us individually. And just as a good parent responds to each of her children uniquely, the Father responds to each of us according to our need. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we also have the privilege and responsibility of looking after our fellow Christians and holding one another accountable. There's a camaraderie that develops between members of a strong, healthy family. Carrie sometimes calls it doing life together. It means we bear, we bear one another's burdens and we fellowship and laugh and cry together. That's why we believe small groups are, are so important here at Connection. Further, we're told in the book of Romans that as children of God, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. As heirs, we inherit the blessings and promises of the Father and all the good gifts and resources to complete our assignments with grace and success. Another new role we inherit as Christians is that we become part of a royal priesthood. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a, ro- a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What does it mean to be part of the royal priesthood? These are what we would call at connection, very churchy words, royal priesthood. But let's take a look at what it means to be royalty. As royalty, all of our needs, physical, spiritual, mental needs, are met through Jesus' unlimited resources. Royal ones are offered powerful protection by the royal guard, Jesus, and the angels that he directs to protect and minister to us. That is their role, is to protect and minister to us. As royalty, we don't have to be afraid to approach our Father because we have a right to enter into places we might not otherwise be able to access, like the throne room of the king. As we look again at this verse, let's consider the word priesthood. Webster's Dictionary describes a priest as one authorized to perform the sacred rites of religion, especially as a mediatory agent between humans and God. In Old Testament times, priests held dire responsibilities on behalf of the people. A person such as you or I would have to offer our prayers to the priest who would then talk to God on our behalf. But now, as part of this priesthood, we enjoy the advantages of direct access to God and, and direct access through, uh, through Jesus Christ to God. We don't need to find someone else to help us to talk to God. We can pray to him directly, share our innermost deepest thoughts without being condemned or judged. He invites us to reason with him. We can commune with him and hear him respond to us directly, just as when we are in conversation with a good friend or a good parent. We also see in this verse that we're called out of darkness. Priests are called out of darkness. They are holy. They are set apart for God's service. It's an honor that carries with it responsibilities that will likely involve our sacrifice of, of time and self, like sharing and helping those in need, being humble, gentle, being patient, bearing with one another in love. We're called to live in a way that honors God. These are all sacrifices, and many of them don't come naturally to us. Finally, our new position in Christ calls us to be his ambassadors. What is an ambassador? Well, an ambassador is a diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government or sovereign. It's one appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment. And an ambassador is an authorized representative or messenger. As Christ's ambassadors, we are sent out into the world, into Middletown, into your workplace or neighborhood or school or gym, to speak and act on Christ's behalf. We are his hands and feet. If you're walking with God, he's using you right now as his ambassador. It's a very important role. 
Whether in my daily job or in the grocery store, I'm an ambassador of Christ. And while I don't deliver sermons formally to my coworkers, I have an opportunity to share my faith through conversations and lifestyle and attitude. Our life in Christ is a series of assignments, some long-term, some very short-term. And we, we serve um, whatever, whatever serves his purposes to build his kingdom. And as his ambassadors, we need to be on the ready to jump into action in response to the Holy Spirit's promptings at any time. Sometimes it's not convenient. Sometimes it's scary. Let me give you an example of, of, of an inconvenience. Inconvenience. As I mentioned in my introduction, uh, I, I really enjoy people, but I enjoy solitude. And, and uh, one of the best places, if you travel at all, or you're on, on airplanes very much, is on the airplane. You bring a good book and an iPod and... You know, you can find great solitude in a very tiny place amongst many people. And I took a a business trip a few years ago to Florida, and shortly into that flight, the young man next to me began to share that his father had passed away early that morning. And then he was on his way to, to Florida to finalize the arrangements. Over the next two hours, we had a very quiet conversation. He was in a suit, he was in a brand new press shirt, and he continued to just gently wipe his eyes uh, with, that, with that sleeve. And as we prepared to get off the plane, he commented on how much he enjoyed that conversation, how much he needed that, just that quiet time, and how much he, he felt that I was there just for that purpose. Quiet and solitude was not what God had planned for me, and yet I felt great satisfaction in changing my plans to, to line up with, with God's that morning. Just three days later, and on a return flight of the same trip, I had strategically chosen a seat just several seats back from the front. Again, if you travel, you want to be in front of the wing, toward the front, you get off early, it's quiet up there, you know, no must, no fuss. But God had strategically placed me in that seat for a different reason. I was next to a woman whose just deceased husband was on a plane right behind ours. When I learned that her son was on our plane, I was clearly prompted to give up my seat. So they could sit together. And as I moved to find him, guess where he was? Last row, middle seat, right next to the lavatory. As an ambassador, we're called to move, as he prompts us. This was a sacrifice, was another assignment, but it was another opportunity to complete a good work and find great satisfaction in completing that good work, that good work that God prepared for me to do long ago, even before I was born. Planning to fly again in a few weeks. Let's see what happens. (laughs) So let's pull this all together. Living in Jesus is being alive in Christ. Not only do we enjoy full access to his unlimited resources, but it is here that we live life to the fullest and more abundantly, with deep satisfaction, for we're completing the mission, the very specific mission that God uniquely designed each of us to accomplish, to accomplish I want to be part of that. Are you alive in Christ today? We have awesome opportunities to use our unique blend of gifts and talents to complete important assignments that will build his kingdom. He can find other ways and other people to complete those assignments and accomplish his purposes, but he wants to use you. Are you in the groove? Are you seeking his will and his purpose for your life? Are you willing to serve and yield as he calls you, even when it's inconvenient, uncomfortable, a little bit scary? When the wisps and breaths and vapors of our lives are over, as Christians, we move beyond the blip to the other side of the timeline, life after life on earth. 
We continue to enjoy our fellowship with God and with our Christian family, but thankfully without the imperfections that entangle us in the day-to-day. Our work continues, but it's in a perfect place. When I get there, I want to know that I completed all of God's assignments that he's set out for me to do. I want to see the people that, that have been affected as a result of my service. Are you accessing the full resources of the almighty power source to complete your mission here on earth? Where are you today with these crossroads decisions in this blip of your life? What are you going to do with that blip in your life, the blip of your life? There's a little card that you're going to get on the way out. You're going to have those questions on it. You might take some time this week to reflect on those. There are also some verses of encouragement. I want to leave you with a few of these verses and take them with you and ponder them. You can be encouraged for Bob's as you, as you uh, pursue God's purposes for your life. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you, do not be afraid. God wired you, and he will help you walk. Don't be afraid. The Lord will fulfill his purposes for me. You see, as we seek him and yield to him, God even takes the responsibility to fulfill his purposes in us. We don't have to take on that responsibility. We just have to cooperate, yield, serve. And finally, Zephaniah 3.17, one of my favorite verses. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. God is with you. God delights in you. He sings and even dances over you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. I've asked Kyle and Devin to come on up. And uh, these people have been wired with uh, beautiful voices. I've been wired to play, but not wired to sing into a microphone. But during this, this song, I ask you to take a few minutes to quietly consider God's love toward you and rest in the knowledge of who you are in Christ. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.